our text, Psalms chapter 37 and verses 1 and 2. And Brother Ralph, if you look at that chapter, look how long it is. Psalms 1 is just a few verses. Now, that took that long. Just think how long it's going to take to go through Psalms 37. Man, you'll be in heaven in eternity for a long time before that gets through, okay? So, okay. All right, Psalms chapter 37, verse 1 and 2. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they, uh, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Well, that's why I titled this Mow the Grass. Keep it down. The Lord's going to cut it down when he comes back totally. He'll cut it down. But you know, there's some things that you can do in your own life to cut it down. Cut down that grass, that stuff that looks bad and so forth. You know, if you let your grass grow in your front yard and so forth, the yard, and you go in a nice neighborhood and all the grass is cut and they get to yours and it looks like Tarzan's going to come swinging out of there somewhere, then, then you know that uh, maybe you should have cut it some time ago. And so, uh, at times it can be, it can really look bad and it's, uh, it looks bad on you. So, uh, it's good for a Christian to cut the grass that looks bad in your life. Get it out. Get those weeds out. Get that green herb out that is not helping things at all. Well, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into the message tonight. Father, I pray now as we look into your word tonight, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to rightly divide it. Again, do what I can't do, Lord. Give understanding to every heart and mind and speak to the hearts. Speak to every person, Lord. Uh, whether it's for edification, whether it's for correction, whether it's for reproof or rebuke, whether for instruction in righteousness, Lord, just use it for your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, the last time I, I preached from this was back on May 9th, okay? That's it's the first sermon I picked, preached on it. It's the only sermon I've preached on it uh, since then. I'd actually, about three or four years ago, uh, during, I, I finished early. Now, usually I read the Bible through the first six months. The last six months, I work on a book of the Bible. And I don't know how long ago it was. It was after Malachi, and I did Malachi probably back, back in 2015, somewhere around there. So it might have been that same time. I finished that and had a little bit of time left in the year, so I went to Psalms 37 and just wrote down things, wrote down things. I got done. I had a notebook like that on just that one chapter. But um, I got much from it back then. And, and so I haven't been back to it, haven't preached on it yet. There's a lot of books I've been through that I haven't preached on. So uh, you'll get that in eternity if you go to the wrong place. Huh? All right. So uh, uh, we uh, started that. and I, I, It's on our website, as a matter of fact. It's under uh, envy. Uh, it talks about fret and envy, a great waste for Christians, I think is the title of it. But if you'll go there, you can hear the first sermon on it. But I really did not get into it like I wanted to and like I'd planned. So I want to, we look at this passage today, have a reminder of what this psalm is about. Now, it says it's the psalm of David, we're told at the top there. And 
Understand this. Christ even said uh, Moses, the book of Moses, the Moses of the law and so forth. But every word is God breathed. It was an honor for Moses to write. It was an honor for David to write. But you know what? It's a special blessing too. Because God gave that to holy men of old. <clears throat> he did not give it to just anybody. They had to be able to be trusted to write down every word exactly, not add to it or take from. And yeah, we can look at Moses' life, we can look at David's life and said some bad things happened, especially in David's life. But he didn't stay that way. He, he mowed the grass and, and uh, got things right. And so David uh, just simply wrote these words down and what an honor it is for God. Just because you mess up in your lifetime doesn't mean God's through with you. You're saved and boy, you messed up big time. You did something wrong. You said, well, God can't use him. And yeah, you're going to have people walk in. You know what they got accused of? I mean, this went to law. And boy, they're going to make a big, and they're going to make sure everybody in the church knows. You know, don't trust this person because, okay. Well, the person goes around telling everybody that it's a person you don't trust. Okay. That's the person you don't trust. Uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, there are a lot of those that do that. And I, I still haven't found yet in the Greek or the Hebrew where that's a calling of God to go around and do that. Uh, I do know the devil does it, but uh, really, outside of that, I don't think it's right for a Christian to do it since the Bible says it's not right, it's not right. But every one of these words, though, keep it in mind, a Psalm of David, but they are every word God's word. And so not one word is lost or added unto. Now, David obviously had to deal with some of these people, evildoers, workers of iniquity. So what a one for the Lord to choose to uh, write down his words that he gives. And as much as that is uh, important, it might be it's just as well a thing that David needed to hear this from God in what he was going through with evil workers, uh, uh, evildoers and workers of iniquity. And so we don't know the real reason behind it. All we know is that God breathed it out and David was wise enough to write down without adding or taking from. Uh, but he did do the right thing. He wrote it down. Now, he handled the problem, I think, rightly. Whatever the problem was, he handled it rightly. He took it to the Lord in prayer. That's how we should handle the problems. Take it to him in prayer, go into his word, search the word, and see what God has to say. Do what God tells us to do. We must learn uh, the patience of waiting on the Lord. I mean, you ever see the uh, child at Christmas time? They put an advertisement on television. Don't let them watch Hallmark after June because they'll start Christmas. They'll start Christmas movies and all that. As a matter of fact, I'm about through with Hallmark anyway. And they used to watch them because they're at least clean. Now they're, they're rejecting anything that warns of uh, about pro-life content, you know, maybe going against pro-life content and things like that that are in it and other things. So I, I've just about had it with them as well. But uh, we, we, we think about this and we just want something down, done now that that little kid at Christmas time wants that gift. Now he wants, boy, he's all excited. 
And sometimes we're the same way about things in our life that come up and bother us. And, uh, Lord, do it now. And we want to wait, learn to wait, have the patience to wait on the Lord. Now he says, fret not. Fret is to be, means to be kindled, to burn. It seems like that it's just an ongoing burn. And, and you'll see a person that's like that from time to time. They'll just go going around, they've got that look on their face. And, and you say, brother, are you mad? No, I'm not mad. You know, and, and so um, they don't want to admit they're mad, but uh, a lot of times that's the way it comes out. So uh, the mention of someone's name is the reason they're mad. The mention of someone's name, especially if they mention someone's name in a good way, will just completely ruin their day. I mean, there are people like that in, in different ones' lives. The mention of someone's name in a good way will just ruin their day. And <clears throat> that tells you one thing. If the mention of someone's name in a good way will ruin your day, you are that person's slave. Now, Paul said that he was a bond slave to Jesus Christ. And it is good to be a bond slave, a doulos to Jesus Christ, as the Greek word would use. But don't be that to man. Don't be a bond slave to a man, uh, and, and don't do it in anger. Uh, uh, just allow that person to uh, be under what the Lord will do in their life. Uh, just learn to pray for that person. It's a danger, and that is the reason the word also has the idea of friction. It's kind of like rubbing two stones together. You know how they hit those stones together and you'll see a spark uh, fly off and, and things of that nature. Uh, and, and the rubbing brings friction. And a lot of times that mention of the name or some other thing in your life just brings out the friction. It brings out that burn as it's harbored in your heart, it will do that. So evildoers. You know, the word evildoers there, it has the idea of uh, to live wickedly. They live contrary to morals, to ethics, and they seem to rage at and try to destroy that which is good. It's uh, kind of something where they just can't help themselves. You ever seen a person like that? They're going to say something about it, whether they know anything about it or not. Okay. And you see those. And, and all you got to do is mention something and that everybody says, oh, wow, that's something. And they all have something to come up and say about it. That, that they're not familiar with any of the circumstances and all that, but they'll definitely have something to say. I knew they were like that, you know, and um, they'll go on into something just to try to uh, be the one that is the authority on the subject. And uh, the only authority they have comes from the devil when they act like that. Now, uh, it just seems like though this kind of a person, the evildoer, is out to destroy that which is good. Now, in the first sermon, I showed you how critical thinking in today in education has, has done that. It's, it's entered churches, it's entered the home, it's entered so many ways of, of, of psychology, but even Christian colleges now 
one time fundamental. Now they're going into this critical thinking and, and I won't go into that tonight. We've been into that already before, but again, that is just one of the things. And it just seems like that uh, what it leads to is hating that which is holy, that which is good, that which is just, and, and it just leads to that kind of a thinking, that kind of uh, idea, uh, especially when it's of biblical things. It's about a year or two ago, I think it was, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, everybody knows I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, but I'm just about not to be anymore. Uh, but I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. But when their quarterback says, I don't see how a good God could say there's no hell. And would send people to a hell. What kind of a God would do that? Well, if he's not saved, he's, it's that kind of God that's going to send him to hell. And so you've got to pray for a guy like that in salvation. And, um, but, but nonetheless, uh, that, that's what critical thinking is. They don't have a right to do it. That makes yourself the authority instead of God. I'm the authority now. You know, I, I was mentioning today's message about uh, some people say the blood on your hands in Ezekiel 33, where he says, uh, about those that do not warn the wicked, their blood will be on your hand. And, and it's, oh, that's terrible. Okay, don't judge God. He's actually the one that's the judge. Okay, don't judge him about saying, how could a good God send anybody to hell? And how could a good God uh, require blood at my hand? No, it just shows that your relationship with God is greatly lacking if you're saved. So, as a part of it, the weapons of their warfare of those that are like this, of those that fret, are, they include lying, they include gossip, uh, and they're a part of that group that ex that's involved in exaggeration or embellishment of bad things in order to turn you against the righteous ways of the Lord. Uh, hence, the goal is to bring others down. It's to injure their uh, reputation. And, and listen, if a fundamental church is preaching the word as it is to men as they are, I'll guarantee you, the devil will see to it that he has that kind in the church. Now, don't come up and say, who, are, who's, who is it, pastor? I'll go after him. <laughs> I don't have to identify anybody. And that's not my job to identify who's doing what. Now, if somebody's bringing in false doctrine, yeah, the Bible says to mark them. The Bible says to actually mark those that bring in false doctrine. That means to call them out by name. Okay, that's what the Bible uh, means. But uh, to be able to say somebody's intent, no, I can't do that. I, I don't know their heart. But they seem to work against God's people and and injuring the homes of others and, and dividing friends. And he's told to fret not. Don't forsake God. Don't forsake doing right. Don't forsake full faithfulness. Don't do that because of these kind of people. Especially if they're in the Bible preaching and Bible teaching church. Don't uh, forsake God because of those kind of people, because that tells you that you're in the right place when those kind of people are around trying to bring it down. Uh, 
it ought to be clear to us. You know, there, there are some people. Ha, have you ever heard, and I guess the firemen would know this, but there are people that will light fires. They'll set a field on fire. They'll set a building on fire just to watch it burn. There's some kind of thing they get out of that, uh, some kind of a thrill seeing it burn. They start, of course, they don't tell who, who started it or anything. They don't want to get in trouble. But they'll, they'll do something burn. Well, a kind of a person like that is an evildoer. But they'll do it in church. They'll hear that uh, this person and that person's having a problem. So they'll go to this person. And they'll tell you about that person. They'll say some bad things about that person and get you to open up. When you open up, then they'll go back to the other person and get, tell them some bad things that you said and some bad things about you so they can get them to open up. Before too long, they've parted you. See, those kind exist. And they're one of Satan's tools. Always, 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 always be aware and be wary and don't have anything to do with that kind of a person. Do pray for them. Because if they are a child of God, the chastening and scourging of God will come in their life in God's time and in God's way. Whether it be uh, in their home, on their children, in their marriage, in their job, or what have you. Now he says, fret not, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Envious is an ongoing jealousy in this person. That's the idea behind the word. Now, sometimes you'll see somebody driving a real nice car. Man, I'd like to have something like that. Now, you're not envying. You say, boy, it'd be nice to have something like that. And you don't. That, that, that's as far as it goes. That's it. It'd be nice to have that. That's pretty neat. But then some people just get to the point where it's, turns into envy, jealousy. It, it's that idea of, uh, that's behind the word. It's an ongoing jealousy. And obviously, they don't have eternity set in their heart when the evildoer and workers of iniquity affect them. And they respond to what they do or what they say. The word envy shows them wanting to have what another person has. Now, you remember Ten Commandments? You're not to covet thy neighbor's horses and his wife, his things. In other words, don't go after what's those things your neighbors, whether it's his position, his house, his wife, the recognition they get from others that come, it seems to come out in a good way. Although, you know that they're in some way or another iniquitous. You say, oh, how can God bless them? Don't equate physical possessions as the blessings of God. Now, some people have them, and it is a blessing of God to have them. They earned them. But, but understand, God trusted them with it. And many times that's a great trust to be entrusted with. And so uh, that comes out. Your actions against this kind of person will bring you down if you're not careful. Because you aren't jealous for the Lord, but rather you're jealous of what they have and you don't. You're jealous over 
how they're recognized, how they're loved, how they're cared for, how they're uplifted, and you aren't. It's not jealousy for the Lord. Workers of iniquity has the idea of wickedness, perverseness, depravity. Now, why would a Christian be envious of that type of a person, even if they are a Christian? You fret because they have it, and then you envy it. But you're not considering the type of person they are. And why would you want to be like them If that's the way you want to be, understand you've lost sight of eternity and you've lost sight of your true relationship as a Christian you're to have with Jesus Christ. Look, preachers are subject to that. If you're saved, you're a human being, <laughs> you're walking on the face of this earth, even though you're saved, those things can come in your life. So, God puts a chapter like this in the Bible for our warning, for our instruction. These people seem to prosper in the world. They who have crept into the church unawares as Jude 4, trying to turn the, God's grace into lasciviousness. And you see all of those things. And you wonder, how do they get away with it? Man, they do this, they run that guy down, they run this down, they, try, they undermine, they do this, they do that. How do they get away with it? Look what they have. seems like they prosper. Uh, the same one that the Lord breathed these words out to, He also breathed out to in Psalm 73, verses 16 through 19. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened Every morning, if I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. And when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. I, this guy got to thinking about, man, look at all the wicked, how they prosper. That, that 73rd Psalm really deals with that. And he's thinking about it. Man, in, anything I say or do, you know, it just seems to make it worse. He says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. You see, he got back to eternity in his heart. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. You see, there is a judgment of Christ's coming. Just think of the tribulation. It seems like, boy, that wicked antichrist, the false prophet, all that evil that's coming, all those people being killed. But guess what? At the end of that seven years when Christ returns, blood of theirs flows to the horse's bridle. Then it's changed. 
See, there is a judgment coming on those that are that way. They, they are consumed with terrors, we're told, utterly consumed with terrors. This is a judgment uh, that comes. Now look, there's a judgment seat of Christ coming as well. Don't say, I was cheated. Because that attitude in your heart and mind, why should they have it? I've tried to live right. I've tried to do well. I've tried to do good. Why should they have it? You're going to be one of those if you are saved. You're going to be saved so as by fire, and you're going to be very ashamed at his appearing. Iniquity also has the idea of depravity that lives in unrighteousness and with an association with unrighteous people. So these workers of iniquity, these evildoers, they see their end. Don't fret. And especially don't envy the evildoers and these workers of iniquity because in eternity, What do they have? What, what is their happiness in eternity? You know, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, we read, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. Think on these things. You see, the reason fret and envy comes into our heart and life is that we're thinking wrong. We think they're the cause of our problem. No, it's ourselves. We are not mowing the grass. We're not taking care of things. We are allowing what they do to affect the way we are. Now, notice verse 2. For they soon shall be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. You see, that's letting God do the work. Letting God do the work. As a Christian, my mind goes back to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 where it says of Jesus Christ, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Uh, aren't our sins against God? And yet he sent his only begotten son to bear it for us. What does that tell us about fret and envy? That we being dead to sin should live unto Righteousness. You see, so often we see Christ died for me, was buried and rose from dead. Praise God. And yes, that is a praise God, hallelujah moment. But he saved us to live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. The Lord looks at us as sheep going astray. So he comes and he rescues. Do God's will, God's way, learn to wait on the Lord. You're saved 
You know him as your Savior. Just understand that anything anybody else has, anything anyone else has done for uh, to you, all the bad things they've done, all the good things that we say are good things that they have, that you feel like they don't deserve, they don't deserve that position. Look, I see this sometimes. We, we have the Christian school here. My child should have got that award. Now, they're not here all day and they don't see it, but more than... No, my child told me all about it, so I know my child's right. <clears throat> the number one lie told every year, my child will never uh, lie to me. Any parent that says that, just don't pay attention to the rest of what they're saying at that moment, okay? Because <laughs> it, it's going to be wrong too. Your child does lie to you. Why? Because they're like you. They've got a depraved nature. Sinners saved by grace if they're saved. But we still have that old nature in us. All of us do. So, they have more than you. They get more credit than you. They, they get more adulation than you get. They get spoken well of more than you get spoken well of. But guess what? Every bit of that will be left behind and they, that won't mean beans in heaven. That won't mean a thing. So mow the grass is telling us to take personal responsibility for your own conduct. Why be someone else's slave? Because if you're in fret and envy, you are their slave. So why be their slave? And that takes personal responsibility on your part. You may, they may have done some bad things on, to you. They may have said some bad things about you. And if you're going to serve the Lord and you're going to serve acceptably and live holy and acceptable unto God, people are going to say bad things about you. They don't know they're being used of the devil to do that so often. Many times they think they're being righteous. Oh, they're being good. I'm the official town crier. I'm the official one to let everybody know what's wrong with everyone else. You got those people. Those people live. They exist. So why are you letting them run your life? In all thy ways acknowledge him, not them, and he shall direct your paths. Trust him. Turn that over to the Lord. So verse 2 is telling us to have personal responsibility in our conduct. I look at Philippians chapter 3. It says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. Now, That's the testimony of Paul, but for some reason or other, the Holy Spirit of God says, I want you to write this down. So what he's saying here is not bragging. What he's saying here is what the Holy Spirit said to write down, and it's true. He was a member of Sanhedrin. He was high up. He was a tent maker. That's how he could support an entire missionary team, not just one person, an entire missionary team on the field 
when they didn't have support coming in, he could do that because he was a tent maker and that was a very valuable, uh, very valuable occupation to have. But he left everything. Everybody says, oh man, that is great. He says, I can't but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He was no longer an officer in the Sanhedrin. That was a high up position. And what do you call that high office and those riches? I count them but dung that I may win Christ. You see, if we set our affection on things above, that is our personal responsibility. It's not up to the preacher. It's not up to the Sunday school teacher. It's not up to your husband. It's not up to your wife. Every one of you, every one of us, individually have responsibility to set our affections on things above and don't blame others for our failures. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I don't want my righteousness to stand for me before God. I want Christ's righteousness to stand for me. And that happened because with my heart I believed unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession was made to salvation. But it's Christ's righteousness. But it goes on to say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship, partnership that means, fellowship means partnership when you read it in scriptures, of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. He means conformable, I'm supposed to uh, get to the point where they kill me too? No, conformable is being a worthy sacrifice. We'll never reach the worthiness that Christ is of our own selves. But we should seek godliness and Christ-likeness in our lives. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. <laughs> he didn't apprehend that, that part where he is looking to say, conformable to his death. He said, I haven't apprehended that yet. But there's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press towards the mark, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't fret, don't envy others and what's going on in their lives, how they've done you wrong or anything else. Instead of doing that, just say, I've got a personal responsibility, I'm going to keep it before God, and I'm going to press towards the mark, towards the will, towards what He has in my life. You see, you leave it up to him to deal with those people, and he will, if they're his children, he'll spank. That is, he'll chasten, he'll scourge. If they're not his children, they need to be saved. Either way, you need to pray for them. You need to pray for them. Pray that God would do a work, but have patience. Wait on the Lord. I prayed and asked God to do something. He didn't do it today. He just doesn't hear my prayer. Well, he didn't do it in the time that you were telling him to do it. Pray in faith. And he'll do his will his way. Again, 
Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things have a good report, if there be any virtue, that's going to be from the Word of God. If there be any praise, think on these things. Are you somebody slave tonight? Maybe it's just a simple fact of being the devil's slave. Because you've been the evildoer. You've been the one that's spread that gospel. You're the one that, boy, if you found out that uh, Brother Kevin has something on his, on his record, and boy, it's been made public, and it's, you can go online and you can find this, and, and he broke the law. He got arrested. And man, isn't that so much fun to be able to go and tell everybody about it as an authority? Oh, I'm just protecting the church. You liar. You are being a gossip and a, one that's trying to cause division in God's house, and you don't know the devil's using you. If you don't have forgiveness in your heart, why do you expect God to forgive you? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And if you're unwilling to forgive people that have gotten their lives straightened out and right, then my friend, why would you expect God to forgive you? Well, my sin's not as bad as theirs. Uh, not in your sight. Not in your sight. But think of Adam and Eve. What did they do? Don't eat of that fruit. Did they eat thereof? You shall surely die. The devil says, look how good that is. Man, look how great that is. Oh, man, that is so sweet and juicy. Oh, it's so good. Man, it got to looking good. Eve takes a bite, and boy, it is good. Adam, Adam knows better. You see, we talk about Eve being the one that brought it down, but actually Adam, he's the one that... Uh, he sinned presumptuously. He wasn't deceived. It was Eve. He did it. And so what was the wages? The wages of sin is death. They'd be forever separated from God unless they have a Savior. Just for eating a fruit of a tree. Just a piece of fruit. You don't think your sin's that bad? You don't have the mind of God because you don't understand anything about the holiness of God. I've often said that every college, every Christian college ought to have a, at least a one semester course for every student on the holiness of God. And for all preachers, they ought to have two semesters and learn all they can because that's where your standards come from. That's where you can recognize evil uh, when you learn the person of God because he is holy, he's righteous in all of his ways and holy in all of his works. So, friend, is there that person, the mention of their name in a good way will just ruin your day? Quit being their bond slave. Is there someone that has spoken against you or they have things and you don't and you're just, it just irks you? You're, you're the slave. Don't fret. Don't envy. Because they, what they have and you don't. 
If you have the Lord, you have everything. Why would you want what they have? That'd be like trading in a billionaire's dollars for a silver coin. And that's undercutting Christ in that because he's far worth more than that. Now, whose bond slave are you? The Lord's? Or man? Or philosophy? Or having your way instead of God's way? Be patient. Wait on the Lord. Be righteous. Let him bring it to pass. Let's bow our heads, please.